Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. For the last several weeks now, uh, we've been in a series entitled Prayer that works. And we've been looking at how we can have power in our prayer life, how we can make our prayer more effective. And so we started off by looking at the prayer of Elisha and saw how we can pray like a righteous man by following his example. And Elijah, his prayer life was incredible. Of course, we looked at the story uh, of him and the, the showdown between the prophets at Mount Carmel and how Elijah, once he prayed and the fire came down and he slew the prophets, then he started praying for rain, how he had prayed to stop rain for three years to judge Israel. And now he's praying for God to send the rain. Of course, he prayed expecting God to answer. And too many of us, when we pray, we really don't expect God to answer. Uh, we think, well, what's the point? And I'll be honest with you, I'm guilty of this a lot too. And April, you know, she has to, you know, kind of rebuke me uh, in love and sometimes not so much in love uh, because I'm like, you know, God, you know, it's like God's sovereign. God's going to do what God's going to do and, and God's in control. So why bother praying? We kind of get that attitude sometimes. But Elijah, he prayed believing God would answer. He prayed getting other people involved in his prayers. And we, we're not, like I've said several times uh, for I don't know how long, we are not made to go through life alone. We're not made to go through Christianity alone. We are made to do life and do our Christian life together. So when you have a burden, when you have a problem, when you have a care, get other people involved in your prayer life and pray expecting God to answer. Now, sometimes God's answer is no. And that's okay. But understand, God always answers prayer. Then we looked at the prayer life of Daniel, and we saw the reason that we should be persistent in our prayer life. Of course, Daniel had a burden. He goes to God in prayer, and God, as soon as Daniel prays, God sends the answer. But, of course, the forces of evil fought against him, and 21 days later, Daniel received the answer to his prayer. But he prayed every day for 21 days until God answered his prayer. And we need to be consistent and persistent in praying to God until God gives us the answer. Then last week we looked at the prayer life of Moses. And the power that we have in prayer as we pray in God's will. Of course, Moses up on Mount Sinai, he's receiving the word of God from God himself. And God tells Moses, says, while, while we're up here writing down the Ten Commandments, while we're up here writing down the law of God, the nation of Israel is down there breaking every single one of them. So he told Moses, step aside, I'm going to wipe them out. I want to destroy the entire nation. I'll start over with you. And Moses prayed to God. And the Bible says God repented of his decision. Now, of course, we think of repentance. We think of confession of sin. God didn't confess his sin because God has never and will never sin. He cannot sin. He came in the presence of sin. The word repent literally means to change your mind. And so God changed his mind and, and answered Moses' prayer. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, we talked about it last week. That's always been a, a very difficult passage of scripture 
Because if God's sovereign and God knows all and God sees all and God's powerful in all, why would he ever change his mind? And we saw that Moses didn't really change the mind of God, but God answered Moses' prayer because Moses prayed in God's will. And whatever we pray in God's will, God will answer our prayers. And so we've been looking at those prayers throughout the Bible. And throughout the Bible, we're exposed to a lot of powerful, earth-shaking prayers. We're, we're, oh, we, we see prayers that get God's attention and do incredible things. I think of Jehoshaphat, of course, his prayers as he, he prayed for God to deliver Israel, and God did, and God answered his prayers. We think of the prayers of Moses, the prayers of Daniel, uh, and the prayer, even we see the prayers of Jesus, where Jesus prayed, and, and these Old Testament saints prayed, and these New Testament prophets prayed, and they got the attention of God, and incredible, powerful things happened. In Acts chapter 13, we, we see a unique prayer situation. There are several leaders and, and members of the church at Antioch who are praying and fasting and worshiping God. And they definitely got God's attention. So look at Acts chapter 13, starting in verse number 1. Now where they were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Mahan which had been brought up, with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now, of course, Saul, this is the Apostle Paul. And Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So here we see the, the leadership, the members of the church at Antioch, fasting and praying over a situation. Now, what did they pray? We don't know. We don't know what they prayed. We don't know why they were fasting and praying. All we are told is that in response to their fasting, in response to their prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke. He tells them, set apart Paul and Barnabas and send them on a journey that would change the world. Now, we don't know exactly what they prayed, but we know they got God's attention. That, that's how I want my prayers to be, and I hope that's what your prayers would like. I hope you want your prayers to get God's attention. Because if we're not getting the attention of God, why are we bothering praying? Why are we going through the motions to pray if, if God's not paying attention? And so I want my prayers to get the attention of God. So the only thing we're told about this prayer is that they fasted and they prayed. Now in Scripture, people fasted for a couple of reasons. One reason that they fasted was they fasted when someone had died. It was a form of grieving. They would fast and they would pray and they would grieve over the loss of a loved one. Another reason they fasted was they were fasting to repent over their sin. They would fast and pray to show God how, 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 how truly sorry they were and, they, and how serious they were about repenting over their sin. And so they would fast and pray to repent over their sin. They would fast and pray to get help to overcome their sin. Another reason they would fast and pray is they would fast and pray as they sought protection from other nations. Many times in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel would be under attack or they would be uh, surrounded and they would, the whole nation would fast and pray for God to deliver them from these other nations. But most often when they fasted and they prayed, 
They did so to seek the guidance of God. They wanted God's direction. They wanted God's God's wisdom over a situation, over a, a problem they were having. So they would fast and pray for God's guidance. Antioch was a group of new believers. But this church had experienced incredible growth. When the leaders in, in Jerusalem heard about the, the situation, the growth in the church of Antioch, they, they sent Paul and Barnabas to teach these new converts the true Christianity and teach them how to stay faithful to God. And so for over a year, they had taught and ministered at this new and incredible church. And they were so successful that the church at Antioch began to get a name in the area. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it says, And when they had found him, he brought him into, the, into Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. <clears throat> and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, of course, the term Christian means little Christ or follower of Christ. And the first time, the first place in the world... Anyone looked at a group of of believers or looked at a a congregation and said, those people are truly followers of Christ. They follow Christ so much that they began to call them Christians was Antioch. It wasn't Jerusalem where the church started, where the 12 disciples ministered and and passed. It wasn't Jerusalem that in its own right had incredible growth and had the power of God on it. But at Antioch, they were called Christians first. So Antioch is a growing church with powerful leaders and all kinds of potential. So why are they fasting and praying? What's going on in this church that the leadership decided we need to fast and pray over the situation? The thing is, we don't know for sure. There's a lot of theories about what's going on. Some people believe it was persecution in the church. I don't believe that because the Bible doesn't really speak about it that much. But I believe, and what other people believe is that the church felt uncomfortable about something. There was something that made the leadership and made the the church body feel uncomfortable. They were a a dynamic church. They had incredible leaders. They had great potential. You know, the church in Antioch became the hub of Christianity throughout the Eastern world. It was even a more powerful church than the church at Jerusalem. The church at Jerusalem, while it was a great church, was very inwardly focused. At Jerusalem, God said, I want you to be witnesses first in Jerusalem, then and Judea and Samaria and the other parts of at the same time. And they got the Jerusalem part right, man. They were witnessing Jerusalem and seeing people saved in Jerusalem and getting all kinds of people coming to the church in Jerusalem and just incredible growth in Jerusalem. But they never left Jerusalem, so God had to send persecution to get them to spread out. But even after they left, many people left Jerusalem to start these other churches and other ministries all over the, the world, the church at Jerusalem was still a very inwardly focused church. They were focused on what they needed and to protect themselves. And so they were kind of a self-centered, very inwardly focused church, while the church of Antioch was an outward focused church. They didn't just stay in Antioch. They, they went throughout the region and throughout the world. They were a dynamic church. They had incredible potential. But they began to suspect in Acts chapter 13 that there was something more God had in store for them. They began to realize that there was something bigger that God wanted them to accomplish, but they just, they didn't know what. Now, honestly, I feel like that's how God is at our church. 
I feel like we have an incredible church and God's doing great things. We've got our Awana program going. We've got a children's church. We've got all these wonderful ministries. We've got our food pantry. We've got all these wonderful things. We've got our teen department growing. Our young adults are growing. We've got all these wonderful things going on, but I can't help but feel God's got something more. God's got something bigger that he wants to do for his honor and for his glory through our church. But just like the leaders of Antioch, I'm not real sure what it is. We've had several meetings lately. We had, of course, our idea night last uh, Tuesday. And a lot of the folks at the church came and we talked about ideas about what we can do to help the church grow and help the church reach these other areas and help the church. And so we've got all these things that we, we want to implement to do to help, to grow, to, to be ready for the growth. But we really don't know what it is. God wants us to do. But I do know God's got something greater in store for our church than any of us could ever imagine. The reason we're not told what the men at Antioch prayed is because they had no idea what God had in mind. They weren't going to God saying, God, I feel like we should start this ministry and we're going to fast and pray until that ministry starts. They didn't say, God, you know what, we're we're going to this area, but we really need to, to reach the homeless in our area. So, Lord, we're going to start a homeless ministry. Let's pray for that. Or, Lord, we really need to start reaching our young people in the city. So, let's, we're going to start this ministry to target our young people. So, Lord, we're going to fast and pray until that starts. All they did was they went to God and said, God, we don't know what you're going to do, but we know you're going to do something. And, Lord, we just pray that you would reveal it to us that you would show it to us, and that, Lord, you would help us accomplish for your honor and for your glory what you want us to do. They didn't know what to pray. They just knew there was something else God wanted to do through them. So when they prayed and they fasted, they opened themselves up to being used by God any way that he desired. And God responded in an incredible way. He led the church to set aside Barnabas and Paul to be missionaries. And as they send out Barnabas and Paul, incredible things happened. When God led them to send out Barnabas and Paul, they literally turned the world upside down for the gospel. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. So the church at Antioch prays and says, God, we, we don't know what you want to do, but we, Lord, we just feel there's something, there's something bigger in store. There's something greater you have for us, God. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would, Lord, however you want to use us, whatever you want to do, however you want to direct us, God, just lead us whatever you would have us to do. And God comes to him and says, send out Barnabas and Paul to go spread the gospel out of the world. And they do. And just a few chapters later, they're going into a city, and the city literally says, oh man, these people that are turning the world upside down, they've come here to do the exact same thing. People were scared of Barnabas and Paul showing up in their city because they knew these guys show up, man, stuff changes. Things happen, stuff starts getting active, and so they literally turn the world upside down for God. The church at, the, at Antioch, it became the jumping off point for worldwide revival. Through this, this prayer, over a dozen new churches were established throughout Asia Minor because of this missionary journey. 
Because of this prayer and God moving, Paul began his ministry of writing that resulted in him being used to pen over half the New Testament. And Antioch was established as one of the central hubs in Christianity in the ancient world. All because this church got together, said God's got something for us. We don't know what it is. We don't have any idea where God wants us to go, but we just know God wants something bigger to happen. So they humbled themselves, they fasted, and they prayed before God to know God's will. God has more in store for our church than we ever know what to pray for. Now, look, we've got a lot of plans. We're going to, on our workday, we've got a, a greeter station we're going to put out there, a welcome center, so that because we believe God's going to send a lot of visitors our way and we want to be ready for them. And so they're gonna, we're going to have greeters who can meet them and kind of show them around and get them used to the church and hand them a visitor card and, and just milk, make them feel welcome and, and loved here. And so we've got that. We've got a, a new visitor parking sign, which, by the way, this parking lot is now visitor and handicapped parking. So uh, if you're not a visitor or handicapped, don't park there. Uh, but that's a visitor and handicapped. Say, so, oh, we don't have that many visitors. Yeah, but we're going to because we believe God's going to send them. So we've got our visitor parking set up. We've got, our, we've got all these plans to, oh, let's, let's do this, let's do this. But I don't want to pigeonhole us into, we're going to do this to grow our church. I want us to say, God, we'll do whatever you want us to do. We'll start any ministry you want us to start. We'll go anywhere you want us to go. God, we don't know what it is, but we know you want greater things for your glory through this church. So God, we open ourselves up to what you would have us to do. So I think we should pray like the church at Antioch did. Not, not telling God what we want, but asking him to use us, to lead us, and to direct us. Asking him to help us do more for him and his kingdom than we could ever imagine. Because I guarantee you when the leaders at Antioch began to pray and fast, they never thought, I bet God's going to send out Paul and Barnabas we're going to start churches all across Asia Minor, and God's going to use them as we send them out to write half the New Testament. We're going to see thousands saved. We're going to turn This is what God's... They had no idea. All they knew was, God, there's something more for us. There's something greater that you want to do through us. So I want us to ask him to use us, to lead us, and to help us be more than we could ever imagine. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. See, God is able through his power to do more through us and for his kingdom than we could ever imagine. Now look, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I have no desire whatsoever to be a megachurch. People have asked me, I say, preacher, what are you going to do when you get 500 people here? I'm going to split the church in a good way. I'm going to say, oh, you 50 come from here. You're going to start a church over there. Oh, you 20 come from here. We'll start a church over here in Salem. We'll start a church over here. In so we'll do it the right way, not just, you know, make y'all all mad. But I don't I have no desire to be a mega church. I have no desire to have name recognition, have people think, oh, man, grace, new grace, man, they're, they're, they're the, they're the pen. I have no desire for that. All I have a desire for is to be used of God. All I have a desire for is for God to use this group of believers to do what only he can do for his honor and for his glory. And God 
is able through his power to do more than we could ever imagine. You know, Carl Bates, he's the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He once wrote, he said, There came a time in my life when I earnestly prayed, God, I want your power. Time wore on and the power did not come. One day the burden was more than I could bear. I asked, God, why haven't you answered my prayer? And God seemed to whisper back this simple reply, With plans no bigger than yours, you don't need my power. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to make plans that God says, you don't need me for that. You could do that on your own. I want God to tell us what his plans are and help us do what only he can do. Why give us his power to do what we don't need his power to do? But the thing is, I don't think we can plan big enough and be and and do everything that God has in store for us. I think God has more in store for a group of believers who are willing to say, God, we don't know what you want to do, but Lord, we're willing and able and open to do anything that you would have us to do. I think our prayer should be like the prayer of the Church of Antioch. I want to pray a prayer that gets God's attention and leads to greater goals than we could ever envision for ourselves. Story is told of a strong, broad-shouldered young man that had just started working at a construction site. And he was one of the strongest men on the construction site. And he knew it, and he, he liked to brag about it. He wanted to make sure everyone knew that he was the strongest. So he began picking, especially on this older man, and uh, making fun of this older workman. And after a few minutes, the older gentleman looked at him and said, You know what? Why don't you put your money where your mouth is? I'll bet you a week's wages that I can haul something to that building in a wheelbarrow to that building over there that you can't haul back. The young man looked at him and said, Old man, you're on. Let's do this. So the old man went, he got a wheelbarrow. He rolled over to the old young man and said, Get in. You got it. There you go. All right. That's what God, I want God to do for us. I want God to just bring the wheelbarrow over, say, Get in, and I'll take you where I want you. I'll take you where I need you to be. Because if we're trying to push the wheelbarrow, we're not going to do what for God for what God wants us to do. We're going to do what we can do. And I don't want to do what we can do. I don't want to reach the area of Roanoke that we can reach. I want to reach the area of Roanoke that God wants to reach through us. I don't want to do for God what we can do. I want to do for God what only God can do. And for me, I think it's prideful for us to think we know where God wants us to go as a church. So I challenge you this week, I'm going to do this this week, and I challenge you to do it with me. Pray and fast this week for God to reveal to us as a church what he wants us to do. You don't got to pray, you don't got to fast all seven days. You don't got to fast all, all, every meal. But sometime this week, if it's a whole day, if it's a meal, whatever it is, say, I'm going to fast and pray, not to get God to do what I want God to do, but for God to show us as a church what he wants to do through us so we can do greater things for him than we could ever imagine. Fast and pray, and then fast and pray, that God gives us the power to do through us what he wants to do. Let's be a church that prays like the church at Antioch.